We're going to continue our series. In fact, this is the last one of the series called Let There Be Light. And then we move in next week to our new series, which uh, is a love series. And we're calling it Love Defined. And uh, it is the love month. So let's go ahead and talk about love and talk about God's love. But the reason why we've been talking about this series of Let There Be Light is that I, we just realized, even uh, Pastor Andy and I just realized, man, we, we ourselves have focused a lot on the darkness. We've focused a lot on just the, the, the darkness that's going on around us in our world. And it's really frustrating and depressing and all those different emotions rise up. And so we decided, man, we're going to start the new year and we're going to focus on God's light instead. We're, we're going to be done focused on the darkness and we're going to focus on God's light. And this is the reason why John 1, 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Isn't that an awesome message? Isn't that good news here this morning? There's the news right there. The darkness cannot extinguish the light. The more light that we can have in our lives, in our world, in our city, in our church, in our schools, the, the darkness has to flee. It, can, it can't extinguish it. And who is the light? Come on, church. Jesus. He came to be the light of the world. John 12, 46. I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. And so we've covered a lot of ground in this series. And we've gone through a lot of just what, what, what we really are praying and asking for when we ask for the light to come. And there's some uncomfortable parts of the light. If you're trying to hide something or if you don't want something exposed, then the light's not your favorite thing. But when you want to live in the light and when you want more of God's light to shine on this earth, it's a very exciting thing. And so we're going to hit on this last one. And this morning's message is cause, called Light Up My Heart. One of the things that I uh, hear a lot, pray a lot, I have prayed a lot. I, I just actually heard it prayed this morning is that God would wake us up, wake up the body of believers. Any of you guys praying that God would wake up the church, wake up the body of believers? And I kind of had this aha moment as I was thinking about that phrase and, and what I prayed. And it's actually right out of the scriptures. Ephesians talks about wake up, O sleepers. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about is that one of the best ways to wake somebody up is to shine a really bright light in their eyes and just to stay right there. You guys know how hard it is to stay sleeping when somebody's shining a bright light in your eyes until you wake up? It's really uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah, it, it kind of hurts a little bit. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about was if I want the church to wake up, then why don't I get so lit up with God's light and I just hang out with people until they're like, Oh my, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. I get it, okay? You ever have that growing up? My, my parents, when they take us to church, we tried faking sleeping in. You ever do that? You were wide awake, but you were not gonna give in to that. You're like, uh-uh, I'm gonna act like I'm sick. I'm gonna act like I'm sleeping in. And they would flip on the light and you couldn't endure that long, could you? Put your, the covers over your head, but still you're just, you couldn't endure with the light on. And I just believe as we, as, as believers, we are called to be that kind of light so that if we don't like the dark world around us and we feel like other Christians are sleeping, then let's just light ourselves up with God's light and it's gonna wake up everyone around us. Amen. Amen. 
And in the darkness that's around us, that has to flee too because the darkness can't extinguish the light like what we just read. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14. Think about this scripture in light of this illustration that I just showed. You are the light of the world. This is what he said to his disciples. You are, you're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it wakes everyone up, where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Jesus asked us, pleaded with us that we would shine bright in the midst of a dark world and maybe in the midst of sleepy Christians. The apostle Paul said a similar thing in Philippians 2.15. He says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Now, Jesus said that if, if you follow me and if you love me, they will hate you. Why? Because people that are wanting to hide and be in the dark don't like when you're just like this. Oh, just saw that. Yep, uh-huh, yep, 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 saw that too. I mean, they don't like that, do you? I mean, if you're trying to hide something, you don't want someone to be chasing you around with the light. Whoop, saw that one too. Whoop, whoop. This is why the world said it's gonna hate us. Because when the world wants to live in the darkness and the world wants to do deeds that are done in the darkness, hanging out with Christians that are fully lit up are not the ideal friends, right? But I believe that we can win some of them over when they realize that's actually a lot more better way to live. Look at, I mean, they, those Christians, they're shining their light everywhere and they got a lot of joy. I think I want to be on that team. I think I want to be on that side. I want to read this vision that someone in our church received a while back. It's probably six months or a year. And I, I've kind of had it just in the back of my mind for a long time, this, this vision that they sent me. Um, And it applies so well to what I'm saying here this morning. And this is what she said. She said, I found myself looking down on the earth. It was dark and lights glimmered all over the planet. The spirit said to me, what do you see? I could tell the spirit was asking for something specific. So I said, I see land and water and lights shining. The spirit explained, those lights are people. Those are my people. My light shines through them. Some are brighter than others, I said. Yes, the spirit replied sadly. It's not because my light is dimmer in them. There is something in them that blocks the light. The burdens of the past that they haven't let go. Control they won't relinquish. Trust they will not give. So what do we do? How do we help them? I asked. Shine, the spirit replied. Show them a life surrendered to me and you will show them my light through you. That a beautiful vision. I was pretty encouraged when she emailed me that. The Lord longs for us to shine brighter and brighter through a deeper and deeper surrender where we allow these roadblocks, these these barriers that are getting in the way of our light shining bright when when the Lord's able to eliminate them. This morning, we're going to talk about how to let that light shine brighter and brighter. And I believe the Bible gives us a lot of answers to this. Psalm 112 includes a lot of big ones. And I'm going to read the whole Psalm. 
Sometimes I try to, oh, for the sake of time, let's cut out a little bit here. And this one, I just can't. It's one of my favorites. It's the best psalm ever. The, the best, the greatest, it's the most awesome. All right, you guys are laughing. Those of you who know me, you know what I'm doing right now. This is what I do with, you know, like every book that I read. It's the best book. Um, but I can't help but read the whole thing. It's amazing. Listen to this. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. This is the vision that we just read together here. This light shines in the darkness and that this vision was she saw a dark world, but then she saw all these lights all over the planet because for the godly, the light shines in the darkness. Then IV says it like this. I really like this. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. In other words, it doesn't really matter how dark it gets or what's going on for the godly and the upright or the ones that are shining because it it doesn't affect them a whole lot. Like the darkness happens, but because the the darkness can never extinguish the light, they're just like, what, What, what's the problem? There's a virus happening. Oh, is that, that must be bad. You know, they're just not shaken by it because the light is so bright in their lives. It just can't extinguish the darkness. Let me keep on reading. Here's some attributes about it. There we go. That could be distracting. Along with bugs flying on me. Anybody have that? How many of you guys have had entire messages ruined because we have a pest problem around here and bugs land on me and then they're crawling around and people are thinking, is it going to reach its chin or not? (laughs) Next time, can you just let me go? Because I work really hard for these messages and I don't need a bug, you know, like ruining it for me. Here's the next part. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Here's the attributes of those that shine bright. Generosity compassion, righteousness, which is right living according to God's ways, that you, you want to obey and follow his ways. So let me ask you, how are you doing in these areas? How's your generosity muscle? How's your compassion? How's your, that, that tank of compassion for people that are not like you, think like you, talk like you, act like you, have the same political party as you? How's your compassion level and righteousness? Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. And then this is the part that I just love and I already hinted towards it. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to take care of them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. I think over the last year, we have had this tested. Do we fear bad news? I, I have, I mean, if I'm honest, I have given into this. I have not walked in this where I have feared bad news. The beauty of this is that we can always run back to Jesus of repent and turn back to him. Lord, I, I want to I so be in, in you, connected to you as the Bible talks about, connected to the vine so that even if bad news is happening around me, it doesn't cause me to be fearful and to freak out and to go buy 500 pounds of toilet paper. I mean, if you bought 500 pounds of toilet paper, I'm not trying to condemn you this morning, so that's fine. But just, I don't want to do that out of fear. I want to do that out of just, I like toilet paper, you know? <laughs> they do not fear bad news. This is, this is no, you're, you're shining. You're shining bright, 
when you just don't fear bad news. You're, oh, layoffs are happening in my company. Okay, well, the Lord's gonna take care of me. Whether it's here or whether it's another company, he's gonna take care of me. That, that's, that's how the godly, those that are shining bright, that's their attitude. They're just, they're not worked up about it. And that says they share freely and give generously to those in need. Can I just say this before I keep on going? I'm not there yet. And, and I, this is where I wanna be. I want this scripture to be fully who I am. But can I just say that if you're feeling like, man, I'm not there at all, join the club, but let's go together and let's get there together and let's have Jesus come in in a greater way into our lives and shine brighter so that we can get there. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. Why? They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away their hopes toward because they can't extinguish the lights. So they just get mad and throw a fit, but they can't do anything because they can't overcome the light in us. This scripture is so amazing. What awesome promises. It shows us what a life looks like when God's light is shining through us. Generosity, compassion, righteousness, trusting in God during bad times, not shaken, not fearful and steady. All these things are external indicators of the light. And it's good, it's important, it matters, it's fruit, that we're to look at the fruit of our lives to be able to indicate what, it, what we're made up of. But what matters more than anything is the source where the externals come from. And what I mean by that is our source of light must be internal. It must flow out of what's going on inside of us, in our soul, in our heart, a pure heart. See, we can fake these things without a true heart transformation. All three of these things that I mentioned, generosity, righteousness, and the third one that I'm drawing a blank on right now here, uh, compassion. Oh, that's probably the one I need to work on. Um, we can fake all those. We can't. For instance, I can be like a Pharisee in my giving or the religious leaders of Jesus' day, and I can do it for my own gain. Look at me. Look at, look at how generous I am. Look, did you see what I just gave? Or it can be for this, this greedy reason. And this is what has been in Christian dome for a while is God's a slot machine. I'm gonna go ahead and slide my money in there and I expect him to kick out some more for me. So it's not just giving to God because I, I love him and I wanna honor him and worship him in my giving. It's I wanna get more. And I heard some preachers say that in order to get more, I could throw some into the slot machine and it'd kick back and I'd get double, triple sevens or whatever. And I'm gonna get more. See, that, that's greed. So I can be generous for the sake of selfishness, my own desires. I can be compassionate for my own gain. You ever have someone come across really compassionate and then you just found out they're trying to sell you something? And you're like, oh, I thought that you liked me. Oh, you just want me to buy your pans. You know, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> if you're selling pans, I'm not trying to offend you. Just the first, I don't know why I went there, but. But where you, where you felt like they cared about you and had this compassion, but as soon as you didn't, they didn't, you didn't give them what they wanted, then they kind of flipped on you. And all of a sudden it became very manipulative or they, they didn't really care about, care about you or want to talk to you where this, this fake compassion, or I can be righteous, righteous, but it's just all pride. Oh man, that Kevin, he's got it all together and he doesn't ever sin, 
but yet you can have these hidden lives where on the public self, it looks great and all righteous. That's what the Pharisees were, by the way, the religious leaders that Jesus had his beef with. Beef with was that they had this form of self-righteousness, that they made themselves look so good. So all these things, my point is, is that all these things that, we, that I just read are indicators that the light is shining through us. We have to just check ourselves because they can be false externals and they can be not done out of this true heart of transformation. Now none, of it mean, not, now, none of it means anything for eternity when it's done out of this heart. For example, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 1, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your father in heaven. And this is what Jesus was saying. You, you will have a reward. Like people are gonna pat you on the back. Wow, look at you. You're so generous. You're awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. There's a reward in that. But Jesus said, as soon as that happens, you've just lost your eternal reward. If you need your name on it or name on that building, you just lost your eternal reward. The sad thing is, is that it's hard to get people to be generous and give unless we put their name on it or unless we tell them what their, their kickback is or how it's going to benefit them. If you do this, then this is how this will benefit. That's how we usually get people to give, isn't it? If you, if you do this, then this will be how it benefits you. And so if you need that, you're going to have a reward for the now, the Bible says, but that you've just lost your eternal reward. Now I went to UW-Whitewater and every building has somebody's name on it, which I'm thankful for. It's blessed our community. I'm so thankful for those buildings that I got to be in and, and be educated in. And it's great. But I'm just saying that that's all the reward there is. There's, there's no eternal reward now because if you need the reward now, then you lose your eternal. You follow me this morning. So you can be generous out of this own selfish desire. Now, I love what Dallas Willard talks about, and I don't know how familiar you are, but he's a really, um, really amazing teacher in the U.S. and really well-known. And I've been listening to a lot of his teachings lately and learning so much. And I'm, I'm going to pass on some of these things that I've been learning. But one of the things that Dallas Willard said, he said this, a thief is not only someone who steals, but someone who would steal in the right situation. Think about that. It's all about the heart. It's all about the motives. He's saying when Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew, Jesus got at the heart. He's saying it's not good enough just not to commit adultery if you have adultery in your heart. And the only reason you're not doing that is because you're afraid of the consequences, but it's still there. But if the right situation was present, then you would do it. Jesus said, no, 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 I want more than that. I don't want just the externals. I want your heart. I want a pure heart. There's more subtle examples. Have you ever wanted to be able to speak poorly about somebody and you're in a group of people and you really want to speak poorly about this person, but you don't know if they also feel the same way as you do about that person. So you're just like, this is a little too risky. This isn't the right situation. So I'm going to be quiet. But then you get around another group or another person and they all of a sudden start talking really poorly about the person that you also have a beef with. And you're like, yes, this is my opportunity. And then you let it fly too about that person. Oh, come on. Don't look at me like you don't know what's talking about. We just got done going through an election cycle. This was happening all the time. I don't know if this person likes this guy or not. Oh, he doesn't. I can't stand him either. You know, like we just jump on it. But here, here's my point. 
in the right situation determines whether or not our heart is pure before the Lord. Because if the consequences are so high that we won't do it because of fear of the consequences, but it's still in our heart, God's like, no, I want more than that. I want a pure heart. You know, I think about this with murder. There's, there's laws on the book that you were not supposed to murder each other, right? One person knows the law. That's ridiculous. That's a big one. It's a big deal. I'm scared for my life. So I need a bulletproof uh, thing around here. Right, I think that's on the books. And then we put consequences really high if you murder someone. Life in prison if you murder someone. Why? To deter people away from committing murder. If the consequences are low, guess what happens? People that have murder in their heart, hate someone, want to murder them, they'll do it if the consequences are low enough, if the right situation presents itself. And so what our government does say, let's make the consequences so high that it deters people that otherwise would commit murder. You follow me? So that's what the law is intended to do, but the law can't change your heart. And this is what made the religious leaders so mad at Jesus. They were furious because he exposed their heart. They thought they were shining bright. And Jesus said, you're a whitewashed tomb. If you guys know anything about whitewash, I grew up on the farm and I've used this illustration before, but if you're new, let me join you in on a really descriptive, stinky story. Ready? So in the barn, there's, there's poop, manure splattered all over, right? All over the walls in the barn. And so once a year, the farmer has the guy who comes in to whitewash the barn. We don't clean it at all. And they just spray the paint whitewash stuff over all the poop. Still smells horrible, but it looks good. And it looks good for about a week until the inspector comes in. Oh, this looks great. You can sell your milk out of this. I, I try, have to try hard. Milk, not milk. Milk. I, I, it's milk. So you can sell your milk out of this place. This looks good. And then the inspector leaves and about a week later, the, the poop dries on the wall and it falls off. And now you got all these splotches all over the wall. Jesus said that about Pharisees. Do you think that they were offended and hurt by that? said, you stink like dead man's bones, but your outward appearance is great. See, Jesus was after the heart. You don't do all these bad things externally, Jesus said, but that desire to do evil is still in your heart. Let me give you another example. How do you think my wife would feel if I came home and I said, hey, honey, Kristen, I uh, just want to let you know that I'm going to be faithful to you. Um, if a better circumstance or situation doesn't arise. You know, I'm, I'm planning on being faithful to you. That's my plan, but the right situation presents itself. I can't promise you anything. Do you think that she would fall into my arms? Oh, honey, thank you for being so kind. No, she would slap me in the face and I deserve it, Right? Let, let me take it another step further. How do you think God feels about that? When we have these things in our hearts that he knows are there, we know they're there. And the only reason why we're not acting on them is because we're waiting for the right situation where we feel like we can get away with it. She says, no, I want an undivided, loyal heart. Just like my wife wants an undivided, loyal heart to her, faithful heart. Jesus wants the same thing from us. 
So he wants to be able to take out those desires in us that are contrary to him so that our hearts will be lined up with his heart. Jesus wants to transform us into a new person. That's when we shine the brightest. That's when we don't have any barriers or hindrances. Not that we would, oh, I'll, I'm going to shine until the right situation presents itself. No, the right situation just presented itself. And I said, no, I want nothing to do with that. I'm in love with my God and I want to follow his ways. So those desires, they, they have no pull on us anymore. They have no hook anymore. When those desires and passions are crucified, God's, God's light shines the brightest in us. Listen to this, Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That's when the light of God gets really bright in our lives. When the desires that are in our heart, our soul, our being, that nobody else can see except for God. When we say, God, we know you see them. I know you see them. And I'm asking that you would help in that together we would nail these passions and desires on the cross because they are a threat to me and they're a threat to your kingdom and your light shining through me. Those desires and passions commit sexual sin or steal or murder or gossip or slander. They're dead now. They're nailed to the cross. Now it sounds something like this. Hey, Kevin, here's the right situation for you to commit adultery and sexual sin. And I'd say, huh, thanks, but no thanks. That passion's been nailed to the cross. It's gone. Nope. Why? Because I have no desire for it anymore. My desire is for singleness and oneness with my Lord and my spouse. Hey, Kevin, here's the right situation to be offended and gossip. Thanks, but no thanks. That desire and passion, it's been crucified. It's gone. I don't have that. It, the right situation doesn't matter. The right situation, wrong situation. I'm not giving into that. When Jesus transformed my heart, because I have no desire for that anymore. You guys follow me here this morning. This is so important that we don't play religious games. We let God get at the very source, the heart of who we are. I've used this example before. I'll use it again. Have you ever noticed that dead people don't get offended? Just try it. Next time you go to a funeral, go up to the casket and start cussing out the person in the casket. You dirty, rotten, no good. Just let them have it. Cuss them out. See, see what happens. You guys know what happens. He dead. Is that insensitive? <laughs> My bad. To think about that and to think about that, Jesus said, I want those passions and desires to be crucified, dead, so that when somebody comes and does that to you, I'm not offended. That guy's dead. Now, let me just say this. I'm not there. And life circumstances prove where I'm still alive, where I shouldn't be alive. Where things that need to die. But when I see them spring up, that's my prayer. God, I want to crucify those passions and desires. I don't want to get offended. Dead people don't get offended. I want that desire to be, be crucified, this desire to be offended. Now this scripture recently came alive for me, thanks to Dallas Willard. In 1 Timothy 1.9, it says this, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless 
and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their fathers or mothers and commit other murders. Let me say it like this. Once Jesus has crucified those passions and desires in you, and he's transformed your heart into a new creation, you don't need the law anymore to tell you what to do and what not to do. Why do we need the speed limit? Because we want to break it. Oh, come on. I know half of you sped beyond the speed limit just coming to church here this morning on the icy road. I know it. Okay, maybe it was just me. My bad. So what, this is what the law does. So the speed limit says you can't go over this amount. And if you do, you could get pulled over and get a big old ticket. And so then when you're driving past the speed limit, isn't this what we do in our head? Can I afford it? Am I over? What's the probability of a cop being on this road right now? Oh, come on. Am I the only one in here? This is embarrassing. Okay, good. There's other people that I think are saying yes to their neighbor. The law is not intended to take a desire out of me to not to break the speed limit. They don't want to try to change my heart. They want my money. Was that cynical? That was a bit cynical. So instead they put a really big fine on it for $200 or whatever it is to deter me from breaking the law, even though my heart hasn't changed of wanting to break the law and drive above the speed limit. This is what the Bible's talking about with the, the law, that when God transforms our hearts, we don't need the law anymore because we have no desire to break the law. It'd be like me saying, God's transformed my heart and I have no desire to drive above 55 miles an hour on the highway. It doesn't matter if there's a sign there or not. I'm gonna just follow it. I'm not there, okay? We're all a work in progress. There's grace, but not by the officer. <laughs> now listen to what happens when we don't let Christ come in and crucify our old nature. Galatians 5:19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some of you guys got really scared by that last sentence. I read that last sentence for years going, does that mean I don't go to heaven? If I do any of these, because I've done some of those. Let me just say that, remind you of Ephesians. Salvation is free. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift of God. So if it means that we got to follow all of these in order to go to heaven, then now it's violated the free gift of God rule. You found me. So this scripture is not talking about heaven because I've committed a lot of these sins on this list. This Scripture is talking about entering into heaven and the God's kingdom now. Remember, Jesus came to earth and he said, guess what? The kingdom of God has arrived. It's no longer just in heaven up there. Heaven has come to earth. It's now here. I'm setting up my kingdom here where I'm king. I have a kingdom and I have some ways about my kingdom in order to live within my kingdom. Here's the ways. And so this scripture is saying, these are not the ways of my kingdom. This is the ways of the world. And so when you want to live this way, you can't enter in to the kingdom now of God because you're living by another kingdom, the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of the devil. And so he's saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn from those ways, repent so that you can enter into heaven, 
here on earth now. Isn't that what we've been praying since we were a kid for most of us? Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, which means we can have heaven now. But it means there has to be some, the sinful nature crucified off of our lives so that we can enter into more of heaven now, more of God's kingdom now, to be able to enter into what he has for us now. When we do this, when we enter into God's kingdom by hating the things on this list, and I would say that if you don't hate those things, you're like, I want to do all those things and, and I like those things, I'm going to continue to do them. You need to question whether Jesus really is the Lord of your life. Because when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, his way goes. And if he says, these aren't my ways anymore, you're like, okay, I'm ditching those ways. What are your ways? And then you learn his ways and you, you pray and ask him to make those ways, his ways, your ways. Now, as I said, some of these things on this list, they've manifested in my life, guys. So what do you do when you see things on that list manifest in your life? That's a great question. Good question. Here's the answer. At least it is for me. These sins, when they manifest, I used to get so down on myself. I'd condemn myself, beat myself up, run from God, think he was mad at me. Any guys ever play those games before? I have. Now it's not like that for me. When a sin manifests in my life, my response is, whoop, Lord, there's an area that's not transformed yet. And I ask, I, I ask that you would come in. I let you come in and transform my life, transform my heart into a new creation so that that sin has no appeal and has no place in me. So now I just use the list or the sin or when I see it pop up as indicators where Christ needs to transform my heart. You follow me this morning? It's no longer meant to shame, to guilt. Jesus broke the curse. He, he broke the shame and the guilt of it. All it does now, it's like a mirror. It just reflects back to you where you need Christ to transform in your life. And so when you see these things pop up, just see it as this mirror. Okay, God, this is an area that you need to work on. Again, God wants to transform us into a new creation. And when he does, we shine really, really bright. Romans 12, two, again, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. It's darkness, not light. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's my favorite scripture right now. And the reason is, is that I wake up most mornings and I say, Lord, there's some areas that need to be transformed in me. And I thank you for showing them to me. And I've been honest with you guys over the last few months of what those areas are. Say, God, I let you today. This is usually my drive into work. And I don't close my eyes because it's dangerous. <laughs> God, I let you today come into my life to transform me into a new creation by changing the way I think. And Lord, there's some faulty thinking in me. Lord, there's some ways that are not your way. So Lord, I'm asking that instead of being an impatient man today, that you would make me a patient man, transform my heart. God, instead of being a hot-tempered man today, would you make me an even-tempered man today? God, I need your help. I wanna think like you. I wanna act like you. I wanna talk like you because I want my light to shine so bright that your light through me shines so bright that everyone that I come across, I'd be able to encourage them, love them well, give them hope. And, and give them a little slice of your kingdom this morning or a little slice of your kingdom this day. That's been my prayer. 
And it's, and it's been out of this desire. I desperately want God to transform me, church. I desperately do. And I, and I believe that you're here today because you want the same thing. God spoke a similar thing to the nation of Israel that applies for us today. It's Ezekiel eleven eighteen. This is the last scripture for this morning. When the people return to their homeland, they will remove every trace of their vile images and detestable idols. And I'll give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit in them. You guys catch that word? Singleness of heart. You're not divided anymore. I'm not divided anymore. If, if a temptation comes up or a sinful desire comes up, I have no desire to do that. I have singleness of heart. I just want to do what God wants. I just want to do his will. I'll take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. Lord Jesus, this morning, give us a tender, responsive heart. There are so many things that are baiting us to harden our hearts tenderize our hearts this morning, Lord. So they'll obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. Church, I I long for us to shine so bright that it extinguishes all the darkness and it lights up other believers so that they are sleeping, they'll wake up. If you're around them and you're shining God's bright light, and you're concerned about the church being sleepy, they'll wake up. Just keep on shining. My desire is that we as a church, we would come to a place of humility and surrender so that God can give us a pure heart, so that he can transform us into this new creation. My desire is that we as a church, we don't get all wrapped up in sin and chasing sin down and chasing demons around, but we just simply see the list of sins as a mirror. That when you see it crop up in your life, oh, that's an area that needs to be transformed yet. And now I'm going to spend some time with Jesus and ask him to transform me. I'm not going to guilt and shame myself. I'm not going to just point fingers and run away from God. No, no, no. Let's not do that anymore. Let's run to him. The only one who can transform us into a new creation. Amen. You guys stand to your feet here this morning and let's pray. Let's ask God to do this very thing and that we would shine this bright. And while I'm praying, I'd ask that the prayer team would come up. And if you just need prayer, For anything at all, you can come up and and pray. The Bible says that the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous person avails much and produces wonderful results. And so this is what we believe at Crosspoint. We believe God's word when it comes to prayer. And so be able to come up and pray for anything or if it's just in the area where you're you're feeling that that pull, this hunger. God, I wanna shine brighter. God, I wanna be that bright light. God, I don't don't wanna give in to these sinful ways anymore. Come up and have someone pray for you. It's a safe place. And so, Father, we ask, we choose to let you transform us. Would you just put your hand over your heart right now, over your chest? God, we choose to let you transform us into a new creation by changing the way we think, changing the way we talk, changing the way we act. God, would you transform us Lord, we let you transform us. We just thank you so much for how good you are, how patient and kind you are. And we ask that you would come in and that our light would shine so bright and light up the world around us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.